today. Good, good, all right, awesome. Well, welcome to Watershed. My name is Drew, I'm on staff here. It's so good to see you all. It's so good to gather together as a church and look to Jesus today, the author and perfecter of our faith, amen? Um, if you're new with us, just we want to extend just a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're spending a portion of your morning with us today. Uh, we're so glad that you're, you're here. Uh, would you just take a moment, stand and greet the people around you. Just say hey, catch up with them. If you need a question today, ask them how they are enjoying the fresh snow. We invite you to stay standing and sing with us. Oh 
are good to us. We look to your goodness and we sing of it when we recognize what you've done. God, we love you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat, everybody. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. I am Pastor Aaron, or Aaron, as most of you know me, um, pastor here, campus pastor here at Watershed. Uh, if you're not familiar with Heart Awake, Heart Awake has three worshiping communities here on campus, so we function kind of like three small churches, but uh, together we're one church, uh, so we look a little like the church uh, global. Right, lots of communities worshiping across our community this morning here in West Michigan, across the world. Um, and listen, we're all trying to, to lift up the name of Jesus. So thanks for joining us as we worship our God. i got a couple ministry highlights for you uh, for this week. The month of January, we are part of Kids Hope. Um, Kids Hope, if you're not familiar, is about giving one hour, one person, one hour, one student a week. Uh, to really impact a life. Uh, we partner with Lakeshore uh, Elementary School. And uh, as a mentor, you spend an hour uh, just with a kid, uh, sometimes doing homework, but most of the time playing games, showing these kids that they're valued and worthwhile. I mean, what greater ministry opportunity is there than that? To show a kid that they matter that they belong, that they're important. We have 27 mentors here uh, at Heart Awake. We have prayer partners that then partner with those mentors and those students. So think about that, 27 people are given their time. We also know that there are eight more students who need at Lakeshore, need a mentor, need somebody to step in for that one hour and show them that they are valuable. So if that is something you're interested in, uh, we would certainly ask you to contact our office. We can get you in touch with Don. Hey, hi, Don. Don, stand up. Let's, can we thank Don? Let's clap. <laughs> Don, thank you for all the work. She's our Kids Hope Director. Um, thanks for all the work that you do. But eight more kids uh, need, need that care, need that love in their life. So uh, we celebrate mentors. Thank you, mentors. If you are one, if you're a prayer partner, thank you um, for being part of that ministry. Uh, the next opportunity that I want to make sure you're aware of, all summer long, if you didn't know, we have Great Escape Day Camp, a Christian day camp taking place on this, in this property, here in this building. It goes crazy, uh, but especially if you're a high school, college-age student, you're looking for an opportunity to, to pour into kids' lives. Uh, you want to have a lot of fun and do a lot of corralling of energy. <laughs> great escape uh, would be a great opportunity for you. So uh, just know that um, they are looking for counselors now. So uh, you can go to, again, hardawake.com and or, and or Neighbors Plus, um, our partner organization, uh, to dive in. Then finally, uh, March 10 and 11, put this on your calendars. A big thing here at Hardawike is feed my starving children. It is exactly that. We are food packing to send meals uh, internationally to feed starving children and families. Hardawike provides over 200 of the 450 volunteers needed. So again, a great way to get your hands on, get involved. 
Um, so volunteers, I know signups, I believe, are going to start this week. Um, we usually sign up for a packing time. There is a lot of energy, a lot of life, a lot of chaos. Um, usually competition about who can pack more. You've got to make it fun, right? If we're not competing, what, what are we doing? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but again, great opportunity um, to bless families. Um, we, we raise support for that as well. Uh, we're going to have a chili cook-off. The staff's going to do that later on. You'll see more information for that. But, but again, um, if you want to get involved in feeding starving children, this is a great way. And then just a reminder, um, when you partner with us, uh, you know, when you give too, sometimes people ask, why do we give? The ministries like this, you're helping make happen. Um, and so anytime you partner with us, whether you're giving in our boxes, whether you're going online and giving, you're partnering in God's kingdom work um, that not only takes place here, but uh, across the world. So I again want to say thanks for continuing to partner with us. I'm going to pray for us, and then we get to celebrate a profession of faith, reaffirmation of faith, baptism. Um, this is something special. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll bring up the Rosendals. God, thank you again for all the work, Lord, for the energy and effort that volunteers put in, that counselors put in during the year, that prayer. People are behind the scenes praying so that, Lord, lives can be impacted and changed. Father, we pray uh, just your, your blessing upon the lives of the families that we are able to interact with. Lord, as we prepare to first feed my starving children, Lord, we know that not only in our own community, but communities around the world, um, Lord, people are lacking. They're, they're needing more. So, Lord, I, I just pray, whether it's through our, our time, whether it's through our talents, whether it's through our tithes, our gifts, Lord, that you would use all of those things uh, for the benefit of your kingdom. And now, Lord, as we prepare to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, Lord, uh, this sign and seal of your good news, of your grace in Jesus. Lord, I pray not only for Micah, Stacy, for Leland, um, but for all of us, that we can be reminded of the truth of your gospel, your love to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray all these things, certainly many more prayers in the name of, of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said, amen. So we come into baptism this morning, I'm particularly reminded of our vision here at Watershed to, to invite people into the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So we celebrate baptism this morning, that's the first thing we're reminded of in these waters. That you and I are saved by the grace and love of Jesus, his self-giving to us. We have freedom in our lives because of his finished work on the cross for us. So when, when, when little Leland is baptized this morning, before he ever knows this truth, this good news, it is true. It is his reality. Micah, Stacy, you've grown up knowing this reality, and you know what? As much as you've known it, it's true for you and has been and will be, right? This is the gospel for us, God's freedom but we also know that in baptism that God invites us into his family. We have friendship with God. Jesus actually said to his followers, before he, he died on the cross, he said, I don't call you my servants, I call you my friends. And we know that God has adopted us into his family. Right now, we're standing as a church. 
One of the cool things is, uh, and not in our, we don't usually do this in our tradition, but it's in Christian tradition. You have godparents uh, coming up. And they are, Alex, Aaron, um, you're going to be for us a picture standing up here of what commitment we'll make as a congregation. That we're all part of a family together, despite where we grew up, despite what family we grew, our family of origin, in Christ we've been joined together. This water reminds us of that. And then the word rest, that we can actually rest in the gospel. Right, that Leland's going to be able to rest in the truth, that you guys can rest in this, that we can rest in what Christ has done. We can rest knowing that he, put, he gives us his spirit. Not only does he bring us into his family, but he gives us his presence and his peace to be with us each and every day. He does that. We're, we, we know that he, he's going to renew us, cleanse us. He's going to work his life out in us. And he also gives us the reality and truth of peace knowing that one day, Despite what we face here on earth, we will be resurrected. We will be brought into God's kingdom for eternity, where there is no more tears, no more pain, no more brokenness, no more sin. Right? These are the truths that we believe today when we celebrate baptism. So Micah, Stacy, Leland, why don't you come on up? I'm going to invite you guys up first. Because, Stacy, you're, you're reaffirming your faith, uh, a profession you made in eighth grade, right? This, can I say, was that a long time? I'm not going to ask. No. <laughs> I'm older than you, so there you go. That works. <laughs> Micah, you're, you're really publicly stating your faith for the first time, so that's professing your faith. Either way, this has been true in your lives. What you're doing, what you're saying, yes, when, when you say, we do, God helping us, you're saying yes to something that you've already said yes to. So one of the things is we celebrate baptism. We remember, we remember that this water washes, it cleanses, it purifies. It rem reminds us that Jesus is the water of our life, right? He's what we need to be sustained, to live by. One of the things that um, Jesus calls us to is to love and trust God completely with our lives, to forsake evil, to turn from it, to live a new and holy life. Now, that's a journey, isn't it? None of us are finished products. I don't expect you to be a finished product today. I'm certainly not, <laughs> right? But God is continually working that in us. I've got a few questions. I'm going to ask you a question, then ask you to respond if you agree. And look at, you sent us some great pictures. <laughs> I love the one Leela's like, it was up. <laughs> We'll try to keep him that happy. <laughs> but for you guys first, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent to redeem, to restore the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from your sin and with repentance, with a change of heart and life, with joy, embrace him as the Lord of your life? If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. Awesome. And do you believe that the Bible is the word of God revealing Christ? Right? The story of God and his redemption and that the confessions of the church faithfully reflect that salvation, that revelation. Again. And do you accept the gracious promises of God sealed to you in your baptism? See, we don't separate our profession from baptism. Do you 
accept those gracious promises and do you affirm your union with Christ and his church, which your baptism signifies? Awesome. And then finally, do you promise to do all you can with the help of the Holy Spirit? I always want to highlight that. Not by your own strength, but with God's help. With the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ by sharing faithfully in the life of the church, by honoring and submitting its authority, and do you join with the people of God doing the work of the Lord everywhere? Awesome. Now, before I ask questions about Leland and bringing him up, Alex, Aaron, I'd like you to join us as godparents as well. Do a little shuffling. <laughs> uh, but first, Micah and Stacy, do you promise to instruct Leland, Ray Rosendahl, in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, to pray for him, to teach him to pray, and to train him in Christ's way by your example through worship and in the nurture of the church. And again, if you believe so, please say we do. God help him. All right. Now, Leland's sleeping. I am going to try really hard not to wake him up. <laughs> but this is the beauty of what the words I'm going to say right now. None of this depends on him. These words are all about what God does. For you, Leland, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he entered the darkness of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary, the cross. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose again from the dead and he ascends into heaven and there he stands on your behalf. He intercedes for you. And all of this was done for you, Leland, though you don't know it yet. But we'll continue to tell this good news until it becomes like your mommy and daddy, until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because God first loved us. All right. Leland Ray Rosendahl, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Oh, oh, eyes opened. <laughs> oh, oh, in the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen, buddy. <laughs> Alex and Aaron, as you stand up here, you stand like us as a church. We make commitments. You're going to embody the same commitment we ask the church to. And so, church, I'm going to ask you to rise. Because it's not just about promises they make. If they're part of our family, we have to make promises too. So when I'm all done with this, uh, I'm going to invite you to say the same if you believe it. We do, God helping us. But hear these words and this, these questions. Do you promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters, beautiful family, by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service, if you can say so. We do. God's helping us. If you'll stay standing, I want to invite the rest of their family kind of around. Uh, the nice thing about being, getting like front row seats, we, your family doesn't have to go far. Otherwise, stay standing. We're going to ask you to lift hands. We're going to place hands on them. We're going to let, if you're comfortable, lift your hand up. We're going to 
we're going to pray for them. And he's still sleeping. <laughs> we were borderline. We were borderline. <laughs> the name of Jesus, he almost went. <laughs> Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for Micah, Stacy, for Leland. Thank you that the truth that is available to all of us is what is true and real for them, that they are your loved children, saved by you, Lord, that you breathe your life into them and that they can never be outside of your grasp in your hand. You are fully committed to them. So, Father, by your Holy Spirit, help them as they try to remain committed to you as we try to follow you. Lord, we're not always faithful, but by your grace, help us to live in a way that brings you honor and glory. Lord, empower them to lead Leland, empower them in their own journeys. Lord, and help us as their church to surround them and be there for them. Lord, through the thick, the thin, through the joys, through the struggles. God, thank you for the grace in all of this that we have in Jesus. God, we bless them, we, we praise you for them, we ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Let's welcome. Uh-oh. <laughs> and as they're having a seat, I'll invite you to have a seat. We're going to dive into, uh, we've been watching videos, following in, in, in our journey through the Bible. Uh, so here's this week's video from the story. In the northern kingdom, Israel, the people continued to turn their backs on God. So God allowed them to be taken prisoner by the nearby country of Assyria. Meanwhile, in the southern kingdom, Judah, there was a new king named Hezekiah, who was only 25 years old. Hezekiah followed God's ways, removing the idols to false gods. God helped him be successful in all he did. The king of Assyria, who had recently taken over Israel, sent one of his commanders to threaten Hezekiah, telling him that God would not protect Judah from Assyria's attack. So Hezekiah went to a prophet named Isaiah for help. Isaiah was a man who God had spoken through many times. Isaiah assured Hezekiah that God would help them defeat the Assyrians. Late that night, the angel of the Lord went through the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 people. The next morning, the remaining Assyrians retreated, terrified. Soon after, Isaiah reminded the Israelites that they were to follow God in all they did. But the people turned away from God again and again, and things continued to get worse for them as a nation. Despite their disobedience, God delivered a promise through Isaiah that a new king and a new kingdom was coming for the Israelites. Isaiah spoke of a man who would one day be rejected by those around him and suffer a terrible death. But somehow, through his death, this man would bring peace and a kingdom that would never end.
At this time, I'm going to invite the kids to join me in the corner here as we dismiss for Sunday school. All right, let's bow our heads and fold our hands so we can pray. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us all here together safely today. Thank you that we got to witness a baptism. And please open our hearts and ears for what you have to say to us today. Amen. So I want to say thanks, parents, for hanging on to your kids, keeping them in with us as we celebrate baptism. One of the important things for us here is letting them see what happened for them before they ever knew it, so that we can keep telling them exactly the commitment we made of this is the gospel for you over and over and over again. So they see it, not only we see it and are reminded of it, but they get to see it and are reminded. So tell your kids, and, and if you're a teacher, if you're uh, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, remind them today God's love was, was there for them long before they ever knew it, is there for them today, and is there for them tomorrow. And we're praising God for that love uh, today as we continue in uh, the story, in, in God's story, our journey through the Bible. We're going to hang out here in, uh, in 2 Kings. So 1st, 2nd Kings, we're in the Old Testament, and we're going to in particular uh, focus on this story of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. Last week I mentioned um, that Israel had no good kings. One potential decent leader as a captain, Jehu, one potential. Like, I mean, that's all we could come, with, come up with out of 19 leaders over a couple hundred years. And due to Israel's idolatry, so turning to other things as their God, and injustice, God was going to have them punished. They were going to be disciplined because they would not turn back. Even though he sends prophets, messengers, just over and over again, they, they just had hard hearts. They weren't going to hear it. And so Assyria. Assyria comes in, and, and this is a good picture of just in that day, what's going on, how big this, this global, at the time, global power was. Assyria came into the northern kingdom of Israel uh, around 734, 733 B.C. and started to just ransack and take the land. In that, by time 722, 721 hits, all of the northern kingdoms, the ten tribes of Israel, are now gone. They've been taken away to Assyria, and other people have been settled into the land. But Assyria, being the world power, wasn't done, and they came knocking on Judah's door. Now Judah, couple tribes, much smaller, smaller resources, but it's time. Assyria has knocked out some of the fortified cities um, due to their sin. Now they, they had five decent leaders, Five, five people who in their 300 plus years of life as a nation, uh, they had five kings where it says they did good, they did right in the eyes of the Lord. Hezekiah is one of those. 
He's one of those lights in the middle of the darkness. And this morning, I just want to focus on what allowed him, what, in what ways was he being faithful? What can we learn by his example of reliance on God? In order to do that, we're going to go to 2 Kings 18. And uh, this is just a summary of his life. I, I love it. It's simple. It's concise. Helps us today. Verse 1, 2 Kings 18. Let's hear God's word together. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel. So this was still before Israel was taken away. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. So pretty young to take over ruling a nation. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Right? This is unique. Five, five out of 20 kings in Judah can have this said about him. Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of God. In verse 4, he removed the high places. He, shma- he smashed, smashed. <laughs> he smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. So Baal, Asherah were main gods that the, that the people had learned to serve. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. When the people were coming out of Egypt, they, they set up this bronze snake as they were bit by, bit by snakes. And when they looked to it, God had healed them. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Sometimes our traditions aren't what they used to be, right? Where in the beginning, they, they originally pointed us to God. They, they really, they focused our attention. Sometimes our traditions become God in themselves, and that is what happened. But Hezekiah even tore down a tradition, and it was called Nehushtan. Nehushtan. It's always fun reading Old Testament names, isn't it? Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. The God of Israel, there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands that the Lord had given to Moses. Verse 7, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. Uh Remember the map? a little tiny nation of Judah, he rebelled against Sennacherib. He rebelled against Assyria. And he didn't serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines, another one of Judah's enemies, as far as Gaza and its territory. I want to bring us back to verses 5 and 6 and read these again for us. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and didn't stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses. If you're going to highlight something in your Bible or on your Bible app, I would highlight those couple verses because that really is our anchor for today. Hezekiah was one who fully relied, actively relied on God amidst the things he faced, amidst the things he needed to remove. He trusted in the Lord. And that's why we remember in the scriptures and we hear that he did right in the eyes of our God. One of the first things that he did as we look at his life, as we look at his faithfulness, 
was this. He actively removed, right? There was an active removal of the idols in life. He smashed them. He crushed them. He tore down some of the traditions. He got rid of them, didn't he? Jesus would go on to say this sometimes about an active removal of things that lead us astray. In Matthew 5, verses 27 and 30, we hear this. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell, right? to lose your life. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, man, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Right? In Hezekiah's faithfulness, we see an active removal of things that led the people to lifelessness, that led them away from God that tempted them, that tripped them up. How many of us have something in our lives that we maybe need to remove? Right, Jesus goes so far as, and I don't, I'm, I'm, let, let's get this straight. Matthew 5, I don't like that passage. As somebody who struggled with lust, folks, I've had to deal with pornography in my life. I don't, oh. But I understand this. Sometimes I allow things in my life that simply put can't be there. Because if they're there, I'm, I'm down the dark road. Amen? Anybody else experience that and know what I'm talking about? Right? Sometimes the things that trip us up, that, that lead us astray, we actually have to break those things down. We have to get rid of them. But listen, it's hard to do. He flew in the face of the people's traditions. He flew in the face of what the mob, you're right, mob mentality is never good flying in the face of, of, of the nation. It wasn't easy to remove. That's why Jesus is so descriptive because he knows that's how descriptive actually sin is. Sin destroys us. It kills us. It wreaks havoc on our lives. And he goes, it'd be better for you not to be down a hand, down an eye, for you to go down that way. He takes sin seriously. Hezekiah took sin seriously. Sometimes in order to live a faithful life, faithfully, we've got to remove, actively remove some things in our lives. But here's the reality is sometimes we can't remove everything, can we? And it requires an active resistance. We hear Hezekiah rebelled against Assyria. At one point in time, he actually tried to send them some tribute. Uh, it would have been normal. would have been, okay, hey, all right, you're not going to come down on us. But you know what, Sennacherib, Assyria, they kept coming anyways. You know, they already destroyed all their cousins. Why not destroy them, right? It's better to dominate <laughs> And anything else. And, and so Hezekiah resisted. He rebelled. Little nation rebelled, stood up against. Sometimes we actually have to resist. And resisting is hard when we can't remove. Here's how hard it was. There's a letter that comes from the commander and from Sennacherib. And we hear this. 2 Kings 18 verse 19. The field commander said to them, People are up on the walls. People are ready. They're, they're, in, they're in the walls of, of, of Jerusalem. And here's the message from the Assyrians. 
This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? Right? The things that we resist are going to push back at us and keep coming. Where do you think you're putting your confidence? You say you have counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? You hear in the ego of Assyria, right? And oftentimes when we try to resist, something's got power, right? Let's be honest. Something's got a hold of us. It can have a little, a little bit of an, an arrogance to us. In it, though, the king continues to say this. Look, I know you're depending on Egypt. He figures everybody's going to go to Egypt. They're kind of one of those other world powers. I, I know you're depending on Egypt. That splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it, right? They're not dependable. Everybody knows it comes back to bite you in the end. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, listen to this, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed? You see how twisted Judah's worship of God had become. The idols, the, the, the foreign gods, everything else that was leading them to straight. Isn't that the Lord our God? Right? So, so he wasn't even seeing a cl- clear picture of who God was. Right? Didn't Hezekiah remove those saying that Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? You must er- worship this one true God? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the commander says, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses. Get this. I'll give you the horses. If you can put riders on them, right? That's the, I'm going to give you some horses, put riders on them. Let's go fight. Let's see what you can do, right? How can you repulse one officer, the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord? See, he's thinking his his, his, his whole job, his whole commission was on behalf of God. Now he was wrong. But he comes again with ego and arrogance. The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Right? He's seeking to destroy. Seeking to press in the things in our lives that seek to lead us away from our God. Sometimes need us to resist. To stand in the way of. To say no. I may not be able to remove every social media outlet, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe I, can, I can get rid of some of, my, some of the things that trip me up, but some of the other ones I can't because, you know what? Shoot, I got to communicate with my teachers at school, right? <laughs> Form of communication. We have stuff on social media, you know? Like, all right? We can't always remove things. I can't remove being a part of humanity, right? I can't remove my. I can try to go off into the woods all by myself, but guess what? That leads you down a different temptation and a different path to be separated from the world and isolated from it. So learning to resist and say no, and that, that might be an invitation. Is God asking you to resist? Maybe you're not called to remove, but are you asked to resist? Hezekiah resisted the greatest world power. One story that um, as us as pastors 
talked about this week. Um, I'm going to jump over is Wang Yi. Wang Yi is a pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church in China. Now, the house church in China, if you didn't know, is, is really, they're house churches because they're non-governmentally sanctioned and, non, and they don't have oversight for the government. That's house church. So early rain is easily the size of Hardawike, just FYI. In 2018, uh, because Wang Yi stood against, with, with countless other Christians, uh, uh, stood against the government's involvement in the church, like in the way of going, they're going to appoint pastors, they're going to tell you what you can say or can't say. Folks, we don't experience that in this country. I'm, I'm live streaming right now. Nobody's coming to my door. I, I'm not concerned. I say whatever I want. You've heard me go, yeah, yeah, I can talk about, you know, former presidents, current presidents, right? You know, like, and nobody ain't knocking on the door. Like that, but for Wang Yi, somebody did. Not only his, but other leaders. In 2018, he was imprisoned. In 2019, he was sentenced. And he was sentenced to nine years. And completely trumped up charges. In 2021, uh, his wife and, and his son got to see him for the first time. So for three years. His wife was actually, was actually arrested uh, as well um, in it, but she was released. Now she's currently under 24-hour surveillance by the government and is not allowed to have contact with her church community. Not only did, did that happen, but they seized all of their assets as well. Costly resistance. And yet, here's a little of what Wang Yi has to say says this right before he was taken by the government. Once the church falls into the trap of being ruled by emotions, right? how, how many of our lives are ruled by emotions? <laughs> but once the church moves this way, depending on power, right? We depend on power structures or yielding to politics on matters of doctrine, priesthood, or sacraments, they've worshiped a false god. He wasn't going to stand for that, no matter what happened. He actually would say, before he was ever imprisoned, hear this, separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life and listen to this. No one can raise me from the dead. There's a brother in Christ who believes that no matter what he faces, he believes in a resurrection of Jesus. That even if I face death, you still don't get me. Like this is modern day Braveheart, right? right? You, can take, you can take my life, but you can't take my freedom. Uh, I'll, I'll refrain from pulling the Mel Gibson out today. <laughs> but this is real stuff. 2018, before he was imprisoned, he wrote this letter to his wife to be given to her one day when he would be imprisoned. I am still a missionary. You are still a minister's wife. The gospel was our life yesterday. It will be our life tomorrow. This is because the one, the capital Oh, the one, Jesus, who called us 
is the God of yesterday and the God of tomorrow. Wang Yi believed his baptism. He knows today as he sits imprisoned unjustly and yet he says, I will serve my time. He can resist. Why? Because like Hezekiah, there's active reliance, not passive. He believes over and over again. He rests in. He calls his family to, right? Whew. I don't know about you, powerful stuff. One of the things that Hezekiah did in 2 Kings was he called on Isaiah. If we go back to last week and we look at all the prophets who came, very few of the leaders actually listened to the prophets, God's voice piece, God's mouthpiece. But Hezekiah, in active reliance, actually leaned into the prophet, leaned into the wisdom of God, leaned into the word of God, there present and real. This is Isaiah, go to God on our behalf. Fight for us. He leaned into wisdom. But he wasn't content just simply leaning into somebody else. He went to God himself. He goes into the temple. And we hear this. He lays out, Hezekiah trusted the Lord. We know this. I'm going to jump ahead to 2 Kings 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers, right, that had that challenge we heard. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord. He spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, right, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. Ain't no king of Assyria as big as you are. He said, you have made heaven and earth. So give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord. See. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule you, the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to these nations in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they weren't gods. They were only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Right? He understood what idols really were, what our idols really are. Verse 19, Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. When he goes in to pray, to actively rely on God, he didn't know that God throughout the night would send his angel's army to wipe out 185,000 troops. That little Judah didn't need any horses. Little Judah didn't even need to go outside the walls of the city. He didn't know that. He didn't know if he might actually lose his life, much like Wang Yi knew, maybe I'll go into prison, maybe I'll lose my life. His prayer wasn't determined on the outcome. His prayer was simply resting in the power of the Almighty, remembering who he was and whose he was, remembering that the fight that we fight is so much bigger than simply ourselves. If we're going to remove things from our lives, if we're going to resist the devil and the brokenness that exists that seeks to take our life, we need something to have our back and not just have our back but go before us. 
brothers, sisters, you do. The Lord God Almighty. We can pray to God because Jesus stands on our behalf. We heard that in our baptism today. That God will intercede. He goes so that we can climb into our daddy's lap. Not when we get around to it, but as our first line of defense. Not as the last thing. Right, so often, I don't know about you, it's the last thing. I try everything else I know I have abilities for. I, I try everything else that I have the resources for. But in all reality, I have the resources for nothing. Because the one who gives me life and gives us life is the Lord God Almighty. And that God says, I got your back. Your baptism, my baptism, we're reminded you are a child of God. You're a prince and princess of the kingdom because of Christ. And all of the resources of the Lord Almighty are with you. No matter the outcome. No matter what you may face or endure. Will we rely, actively rely on that truth? Hezekiah did. He trusted. He held fast to that. He prayed. He sought wisdom. All of us battle with different pressures. Not all of us are going to face Assyria in Sennacherib. Not all of us face imprisonment. As I mentioned, some of us may have to deal with lust in our hearts. Unfulfilled desires and wants envy some hatred that bubbles up when we get around certain things or people. Right? We may suffer due to sickness and illness to cancers. We may suffer to diseases that we don't know what will happen. God's saying to us today, though, you can rely on me, you can trust me, no matter the outcome. And what you face is like facing Assyria. We do a podcast with pastors here as I kind of draw things to a close this morning. In this uh, podcast, we read different books, and uh, a book that we just finished recording the podcast for, it'll be next month, uh, was Man's Search of Meaning, for Meaning, uh, by Viktor Frankl, psychologist who um, ended up in Auschwitz. This coming Friday, actually, uh, we are going to celebrate the liberation of Auschwitz. But he endured Auschwitz. He came out of Auschwitz. Somebody who knows suffering, right? Man, I can't compare. My suffer How many of you have ever done? No, man, my suffering, my challenge, my temptations, no, they're not like theirs, right? So we diminish them. And then we actually go, it's not big enough for God to have to worry about. I just need to take care of it. Anybody? Like, this is true of me. So I, even if you're not, if you're saying no today, I'll find that I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> But here's someone who's enduring, watching his friends burn to death. Watched his life work when he came in, get thrown into the fire. He says this about our suffering. He goes, I'm going to draw an analogy. A man's suffering is similar to the behavior of gas. If a certain quantity of gas is pumped into an empty chamber, it will fill the chamber completely and evenly, no matter how big the chamber. The suffering completely fills the human soul 
and conscious mind, no matter whether the suffering is great or little. Someone who had to see literally what Jesus did on the cross. The worst in humanity. In essence, he says to us, don't diminish the suffering, the struggles, the trials, what it's going to take to remove, what it's going to take to resist. Don't, don't diminish it. So our battle is against the devil and his work, against the brokenness and sin that exists in life that seeks to take life from us. Take heart. The one Hezekiah relied on, the one Wang Yi relies on, the one Jesus relied on, even though he died on the cross, is the one who raises us to life. And that is the God who fights for you today, who will fight for you tomorrow, who will fight for you as long as you live. And if you don't believe me, take him at his word. Because it's not my word, it's his. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for your baptism. That reminder God, that in ours, we are joined to you. So in as much as, Father, you cannot forget your son, you will never forget us. And you fight for us. Sometimes you fight in crazy ways. You knock out 185,000 in a night. There are miraculous healings. Lord, it feels like mountains get moved. Sometimes, though we endure pain, suffering, hardship, sickness, trial, Lord, you bring a peace the truth of a resurrection that you will bring life one way or another. Even if we die, you will raise us from the dead. So Lord, re- raise us now from the depths of our darkness. Help us to have the strength to resist, to remove. Lord, may prayer be our first line of defense and not just something we get around to when we've run out of options. Because you're simply there giving us grace over and over. James tells us, reminds us, Lord, that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And it's because of your grace. God, may we rest in that grace today. Again, thank you for your word, your truth, your life in Jesus There may not have been a king like Hezekiah, but there was a king greater, and it was you, Jesus. So thank you for having our backs, for breathing your life into us, Lord, and continuing to be there for us. For it's in your name we pray, and all God's children said, amen. We've got a song of response for our morning. And, and yeah, I was just thinking about uh, Hezekiah this morning. And, you know, so many of the, the things in our life that we encounter and we face, we can, we can kind of take on ourselves and just see if we can figure them out or put some effort to and see if they get resolved. But so many things we can just rely on God. 
this sort of active posture actually looks really passive, surrendering it to God. And so today I've just got a song for us called Battle Belongs, and it just gives us some language to say, God, I surrender. It's your battle. You're going to fight for me. You're going to fight my battles. You're going to win. I know you're going to win. Uh, so let's stand together. We're going to sing this out. Um, but just as an opportunity for us to say, God, we declare this, that we trust you with all the things we're going to face, all the things we're going through, all the stuff that we're worried about or concerned about or up against. So let's sing this out together.
We have a God who has fought for us. A God who continues to fight for us. Trust that. Believe in that. Put your hope in him as you seek to actively remove, to resist, as you seek to actively rely and receive this blessing of our God for you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, amen. Thanks for joining us today to worship our God. Go in peace. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate that. Thanks.